All right. Well, we are live. Hello there. Welcome to the Deadly Analysis Podcast. Uh, my name is Noah Adam, and tonight we are going to be talking about rainbows and lollipops. Uh, wait, did I read that right? Oh, no, I meant to say torture. What was I thinking? <laughs> tonight we're going to talk about torture, guys, and that's because our podcast tonight is on the 2008 French film Martyrs, which consequently is how I describe myself after having sat through this film. Uh, I felt like a martyr for this podcast for having to watch extended sequences of violence and torture. Uh, but this was the most recommended film by our audience, the people who watch this podcast, you sick fucks. And so here we are. Uh, so tonight, I'm here tonight with Jim and Ben and Shayra, our core four, as we call it. That is very hard to say after you've had a couple beers. Be careful how that comes out. Uh, anyway, tonight we're going to be getting to the meat and bones of what this movie is all about. Uh, about. We're going to peel back the skin, as it were, see what's under the surface when it comes to uh, this French film about violence and pain and torture. So Martyrs is essentially the story of, um, well, abduction and prolonged torture in which a woman named Lucy embarks on a bloody quest for revenge against her oppressors. At least this is the first part of the movie. And along with her childhood friend, Anna, who also suffered abuse, um, Lucy quickly descends without hope into madness and into her own delusions. And Anna, left on her own, begins to re-experience what Lucy did when she was only 12 years old. And Anna will witness firsthand that some horrors require transcendence before salvation. I really need to stop copying and pasting these plot summaries because that is really just not what the movie is about at all. Um, so this was a fun movie. Thanks for making us watch it, guys. Um, so like, let me start this way. Here was my issue with Martyrs. Um, this was one of the hardest films for me to not turn off, um, specifically because of the extreme violence. And that's pretty rare for me. I've seen a lot of uh, super ultra-violent horror films, not many of them phase me, but this um, may actually be the hardest one I've ever sat through, ever. Um, you know, it it takes a lot for me to not look away or to finish a film because specifically of the violence. Um, you know, I uh, read a, a, a little snippet online, um, and I, I think this is a true story, that when this film was brought to the United States by the Weinstein Company, Bob Weinstein couldn't himself couldn't even make it to the end of this movie. He never even finished watching it, uh, even though he brought it over from, from France. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm the only one who's in this boat. I think a lot of, this is one of those movies where at a certain point you have to make the decision to keep going. <laughs> um, and that's a very interesting and maybe novel and different component to this movie. At least it was for me. Um, and so, I, so with that in mind, I had to sort of ask myself, okay, like, do I find this to be an accolade of the film, right? Like, does it make it a better horror film, a novel horror film, a unique horror film, uh, like an overall superior horror film because I was so disgusted that I wanted to turn it off or does it make it worse since it so heavily relied on violence and disgust, right? And so I asked myself that question and then I realized in answering that question, I have to sort of pose another one to myself. And that is, what is the violence for? What's it used for? Like, what's the purpose of the violence in the story? And is that purpose worth the road it made me travel down, right? 
And so the answer in the movie obviously tends to be um, a kind of religious fulfillment, right? This movie is really a quest in a lot of ways for what's life after death, right? Like, is there a life after death? If so, what is it like? So, you know, we learn in, in, uh, in this movie that the point of all of the violence essentially, and this is a huge spoiler here, but the point of all of it is to break and transfigure a person into what they would deem in the movie is a, as a martyr, right? Someone who gets a glimpse into the other side, as it were. So this movie is in, in large part a quest into the afterlife, which is very strange. Um, and so now, now, I have, now I have an answer and I have to sort of weigh the two things here, right? Is the insanely detailed emphasis on brutality and torture worth the central quest of this movie, right? And I'm just not sure that it is. Um, I, I think that there's some side commentary here about maybe what we're willing to do to each other in the name of religious ideology, like in the name of spiritual quest and finding out what's on the other side, as it were. But overall, as a narrative element in this movie, it left me feeling very hollow. Um, I left this film with the profundity being isolated to the violence itself, not the ultimate goal of the violence. Um, there's no redemption in this movie. There's no catharsis in this movie, I, I don't think. And I think martyrs focus so much on the means to the end that the end was a bit lost on me, right? So I this movie just didn't sit well with me. It bothered me in, in quite a few ways. It made me feel like maybe it's <laughs> not the right thing to do to continue watching it, especially in the third act. This was a very confusing film to me. And I'm not, uh, I'm typically not so much a bitch about movies, but this really just bothered me. And so I'm, I'm curious, um, I, I kind of just want to start this a little differently than I usually do and ask if you if any of the three other co-hosts here had any issue with this movie in something like the same way I'm describing, did you have a point where you were like, I don't know if I can continue watching this? And if so, why did you feel that way? I, I, I hope I'm not the only, I could be the only one. Maybe you guys are sick fucks too. I'm looking at you guys. Maybe that's the case. I'm setting this up. Like, when did you stop beating your wife? Basically, is what I'm asking you, essentially. Um, but like, did you guys have any kind of dilemma, moral dilemma, any sort of visceral gut reaction that maybe I should turn this off when you watch this movie. I'm really, I kind of want to start there because I feel like um, I, I posted this in our deadly analysis page, but I know Mark Kermode had a similar issue uh, to the point where this may just like him have been the, one of the most, um, one of the most prime examples of a film where he wanted to walk out. Um, so I know I can't be the only one. So I'm curious if you guys had this dilemma, anybody. I gotta say, like the biggest thing for me, um, it was it was really most of the violence that you see in maybe like the first third or first half of the film, um, and I know that's that that might be kind of weird to say, but I think it's just because of the nature of the type of violence that you see, right? And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there was any particular point in the movie where I thought, okay, this is too much, I'm going to step out of this movie because I kept waiting for the the tie together, the payoff. Um, and that that meaning that would essentially make the violence make sense and make it kind of worth it and make it narratively coherent. Um, but by the end of the movie, like I, I just found that that wasn't there. And so like that's really the point where I felt like the most disappointment. I carried through. I kept waiting for that that moment to happen where all of it was just given meaning. And then the, the point that 
that we get to where it's supposed to give it meaning, it just, it, it felt completely flat for me. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so like, I, I gotta say though, that, that that first third or maybe first half of the movie where it's, it's primarily focused on self-harm. I, I have quite a visceral reaction to that. I think that's, that's um, even more than in the latter half of the movie where you see more of like the, the traditional sort of like torture um, that systematized violence against uh, Anna. Um, I think the character's name was, um, no, like the self-harm thing was much worse than that. Much worse, much, much worse, much more uh, emotionally evocative, much more viscerally, just, just gut wrenching. Um, but even then I, I thought whenever, when I, when I was watching this and whenever I was getting through that part, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of like perhaps an interesting concept. I kind of see maybe where I think they're going with this. Um, it's kind of interesting. And if they make a movie about this, about this sort of like um, self-destruction, you know, that really has potential, right? Like I, I really thought that maybe they could do something like with that. And so I kind of like stuck it out and I was like, okay, this is going to tie together and this is going to be beautiful. This is going to be a really interesting, unique experience. I'm going to understand why people tend to like this movie for whatever reason. Um, and then it just never happened. <laughs> yeah, what, what's interesting though, is the fact that you were looking for something to contextualize the violence is a very interesting way like that is how i look at i feel like that's how everyone looks at films that's how i looked at this movie there's that you're waiting for but that may be see here's the problem i have because i want to play devil's advocate and say maybe that's the point maybe the point is the pure fucking nihilism of this that maybe it's there is there's not meant to be a catharsis there's not meant to be a cohesive narrative that makes it worthwhile and that's the transfiguration you're supposed to go through as a moviegoer as part of this that it's a it's different than all other films in the sense that we can think of saw we can think of hostile those movies aren't like martyrs those movies have some reason whether it's a good reason or bad reason some reason that ties it together that isn't entirely flat i feel like what the answer that was given like you at the end of this movie is hollow and flat. And I think it's, I, I wonder, I wanna say I think, but I wonder if it's done on purpose. Um, and I think maybe that is part of the point. It's that we come out of this without that same sort of cathartic release, that same sort of central thing that ties it together. And it's just a purely deeply brutal nihilistic movie. And it's meant to make you be a different thing at the end of it. Because everyone's gonna talk about this movie in some of the ways that I did at the intro, that it's um, it's different. It I almost turned it off, right? Like there's, I, I even made the comment that I felt like by the end of this movie, I felt like I, I'm i never gonna watch this movie again. It did something to me. There's a transfiguration element. You could describe what I went through watching this movie in that way. Maybe that is the point. Like, what would you think of that? Well, right, that sort of goes back to kind of the same themes that we were talking about, I think in, um or or you guys are talking about we, yeah, we in Annihilation, right? Yeah. So like at the end of this, you have this transfiguration, you have this change, and maybe at the end of the day, that's not kind of like a cathartic change, it's just change, that's it. You know, at the end of it, there's no, there's no greater lessons learned, it's really just kind of like a zero sum, but things are different, and that's just sort of like the interpretation there. And I think what you're saying right now sort of falls in line with what Kermode did say about his, his analysis of this, right? Um, I think he actually sort of thought thought about that as like a redeeming quality is that yes, there's supposed to be a point to all this, even if the point is the absolute nothing nothingness of everything. And um, like taking that nihilistic direction, I think really kind of says a lot about the way you interpret the very end of the film. 
I don't think it necessarily has to be that. For me, it was that. It was very flattened and and and, and didn't really connect with me. But I think that has to do with sort of like my my religious leanings and my own religious beliefs. Because you can you can think about that that ending sequence, and I guess like we're we're just gonna drop like the A bomb spoilers, but where um kind of like that main um cult person, whatever whoever her name is, I forget the name of the Ma- character. Mad Mademoiselle. Mademoiselle. So she shoots herself after she hears what Anna has to say. And I can't figure out even just based on kind of like the vision she sees, you know, maybe that's just a physiological reaction. Maybe it's just her trance state. So is she shooting herself because Anna said that there's nothing or because she knows what now with complete certainty that there is something that she's going to be going to after she shoots herself. Right. I tend to think more on the former um, or even just like, even if it is more of the latter, I, th- I don't think it really matters because like that, that just seems such so basic fuck. Like that's, that's, that's the way it just comes off as me is like, if this is supposed to be the payoff for this, this, this emotion and this viscerality and this intensity throughout the entirety of this movie, like that's what you're going with. No, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I just, it's not enough. It's well, not especially, enough especially, especially that she says, keep doubting which confused me. I'm curious. We have a couple of very smart commenters and I'm curious um, how they interpret that part too in relation to Mademoiselle's death because not only does she kill herself, she says it's something like, good job, keep doubting, bam. And I, I didn't I didn't understand that at all. So I'd be curious to know your guys' thoughts. Uh, but anyway, so, anyway, yeah, go ahead, Sheryl. Here's where I'm going to go with this. Um, I, I like to dabble in, in the uh, stories that are told the, about our creation or about gods. I, I dabble in those stories a lot. Um, and you see this in a lot of stories. I guess the the main one people might think of is in Christianity. They had the the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that's in the middle of the uh, this beautiful garden. It's the one thing they're not allowed to touch, but they're going to go to whatever lengths to get knowledge because they want that knowledge. And it it does mean certain death. It does mean a bad thing to know it, but they just want to know it that bad. And it's not the only person in these types of tales that has uh, tried to look up for knowledge. Odin. Uh, wanted to know stuff, so he actually ripped his own eyeball out and like gave it to the the Norns, I think is what the name of the the woman at the bottom of the tree is. Um, gave it to the Norns so that he could know more. Um, giving up a part of ourselves to know things is pretty common human behavior and human nature. Um, and I think with this particular one, they are willing to go to disgusting lengths to know things. And with the death of uh, the Mademoiselle at the end, I think that was, you know what, we went too far. I don't, I didn't even need to know that. Fuck that. And it's because they're trying to cheat death. That's initially, that's what the knowledge is they're trying to seek out is to cheat death or to at least know what's going to happen so that they can make right decisions and, and cheat. Like they want to see the cheat sheet and, um, and, and who wouldn't want to see the cheat sheet, but basically the message is no, you don't want to fucking know this stuff. You went yeah. too far. Yeah, we have a commenter who agreed with that, actually. Uh, before you hop in, Jim, there was uh, someone who said, um, I think it was Alex, who said, uh, I like the idea that what the afterlife is is so terrifying that she wants no one to know about it, which is, uh, yeah, this is this is where maybe, I don't know, this is where maybe it gets interesting. I felt like this was mundane and weird and funky, but maybe we can go down some interesting hole, rabbit holes with this. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. Um, okay, so I think that you're... 
I, I'm basically online with uh, what Ben said. I, I agree with him mostly when you were talking about uh, was there any point when I wanted to turn off this film? I was waiting for the narrative thread that ties it all together. And then when you responded to that, you said, well, maybe it's just a nihilistic film. But I don't think it is a nihilistic film. I think that's a generous reading of the movie because the film does have a diegetic narrative thread that tries to tie it all together. That diegetic narrative thread is dumb and stupid and doesn't make any sense uh, and is is bad and cruel. And so because that diegetic end was not uh, satisfying to me, I found um, all of the violence that led up to it not as, like I didn't mind the violence leading up to that diegetic end i was just i was i was hoping for that narrative thread that would make this all tie together and make this all make sense and blah 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 the violence didn't bother me that much i mean i've seen worse violence i think antichrist actually was more viscerally um effective and next week's movie raw got to me a little bit more viscerally than wow than interesting film. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the eating raw shit that was uh, <laughs> a little gross for me. Did a did a couple of gags while watching raw. Um, so yeah, it's it, this. It, it, let's let let me let's go back for a second. And just talk about the bad guys plan for a second here. <laughs> um, we are uh, we're the bad guys, and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna form a little cult, and uh, we're gonna torture women. Only women, because when women die, they die pretty. And so we're going to take a, a picture of them when they die and post it on our wall. And maybe the prettiness associated with the way women die is, uh, is, is indicative of uh, a, a knowledge of the afterlife. That's, that's our plan, guys. Let's go do that now. Uh, that's... That's dumb as fuck. <laughs> That's just dumb as fuck. And so uh because when that when that hammer dropped and it was like here's the here are the pictures of all the women who died and look at how pretty their faces are. Uh I was I was I was like okay, all right. So that's 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 the movie and uh um i'm just going to endure the last 30 minutes of this which had some shocking violence i didn't really expect them to skin her alive but um apparently that's the first thing that came to their minds um and uh so that was my reaction to the film because the narrative thread that was supposed to tie it together supposed to give the violence meaning supposed to give the violence a a narrative thread um because that that narrative thread was uninteresting to me as a whole the movie didn't work for me um, so, so it's not necessarily nihilistic because there's an overarching reason it's just that that overarching reason is fucking stupid yes exactly uh, if a, a nihilistic film doesn't have an overarching reason, a nihilistic film is something like Event Horizon, um, which doesn't have 
It's just this force that is doing something. Maybe and, that's what Anna saw, mm -hmm. and that's why the chick killed herself because Anna just yep. described Event Horizon to her, and she was like, <laughs> "Fuck that!" And just go gone. see, go see Event Horizon was what she whispered. Um, <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> said that in the chat. That's actually a good point. That maybe there is this this overarching nothingness, and that's. I, but then, so the problem with that is, why does Mademoiselle shoot herself to get there quickly? I, I well, so. yeah, that's not a. I, I, you're setting up a a mystery that does it, by it being a mystery doesn't improve the dramatic quality of your movie. But if you if that was actually what the film wanted to say was that there is nothing out there, then they should have you know put us in in that conversation. It was trying to be mysterious, and it felt that the creators apparently felt that that was a more effective way of telling the story. They they can make up a thing. It could be like Mr. Rogers is on the other side. That's what she, you know, it could be anything. Um, but it doesn't, it, the fact that they chose to make it mysterious was indicative of an artistic choice um, that they think would make, the creators thought would make this, this film more, uh, more more dramatically effective. And for me, it, at least for me, it did not make it more dramatically effective. I am not curious about what Anna whispered to Mademoiselle. I'm not terribly curious about why Mademoiselle shot herself. Um, and that is all the fault of the fact that the film didn't do an adequate job of setting up this mystery, setting up this uh, this this dramatic thread to a point where I'm invested in these characters and invested in what they want. So um, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I've so I, I fully agree that like, it, it really doesn't matter. Like the mystery, um, it just, it, again, like it, it just completely falls flat. Um, I don't really think it matters what was said to Mademoiselle. Um, but I, I do want to overlay a framework here and I want to talk about something really quick, especially as it pertains to like this nihilistic bent. So let's say that this whole thing was an artistic choice. That's fine. Um, but I do think that it, it's more likely that there was some sort of like a positive affirmation as opposed to a nihilistic one, because I'm drawing on history here, but it's from, from what I understand early in, in Christendom, um, they actually had a problem of people killing themselves because they were so certain that they would be going to heaven because they believed in Jesus Christ. There was this cult of people who threw themselves off cliffs. And that's actually the history of why, um, Suicide taking your own life is supposed to be a mortal sin as, as far as the Catholics are concerned, because if they don't have that there, then there's really no reason for people to, to keep on living, right? Like if you have certainty of the afterlife, if you believe you're going to go to heaven, why wouldn't you just go to heaven? It's really, it's just like a, a change, you know, you're just going somewhere better. That's it. That's the whole, that's the whole deal, you know? After you stop living here, you're going to go live there, and it's going to be much better. As opposed to a nihilistic view, which if you're an actual nihilist, I think what you have is the experience that, oh shit, this is all I have. This life is what I have. I'm going to enjoy this as much as possible. I'm going to get out of this everything I can before I die, because that's it. That's the whole experience. And if it's not bad, that's that's not, that's not fine, because I mean, eventually it's going to end anyway. So whatever, I just, I just got to wait for a little while. Um, so yeah, whenever you think about like the ending outcome here, I don't think it's too big of a mystery just because if, if you think about actual human experiences, it kind of gives away what what would cause her action to be the way it is, and at least in my perspective. 
And while we're on the issues of like maybe logical problems with this, a martyr is not someone that you choose to die for you. A martyr is someone who chooses to die for an ideology on their own behest. Like that was like, I, I literally was like, hey, did, did you guys actually, like, do you know what a martyr, can you open a dictionary for one minute? This may solve the whole film right now for you guys. That's not what a martyr is. And I know in the movie, the Mademoiselle makes a distinction between martyrs and victims. And she says, everyone's a victim nowadays, but nobody's a martyr. Well, you're creating more victims by doing what you're doing to them. You're not creating martyrs. A martyr is someone who does this of their own volition. That was a little weird. Um, well, I think the reason why they chose that particular word, what they said at the end with the definition was that it comes from the Greek and they specifically were hinting at the idea that she's witnessed something. Um, and, and they like emphasized that word and took away the rest of the definition and put witness, um, like whatever. Um, as far which, as which is what cults do, to be fair, yeah, like they take one they part pick. of cherry pick exactly. Yeah, and and I actually thought that was really powerful in showing how a cult mentality works because I mean this is actually something we used to do back in YouTube. We would talk about cherry picking all the time <laughs> with people uh, and how they try to justify their views. So it it, it almost feels like um the cult made this film to justify what they've done and to show how beautiful and how particular they were in how they did it and that's that's kind of the fucked up part to me i'm like are they trying to show that that what they've done is is to be glorified what the fuck I, it came across as something that they were showing as almost like a documentary like before and after you see these like old films of the of the kids when they were little uh, almost like a documentary film to show like it's justifiable to to torture these people and and you guys were talking about why would they choose women um the interesting thing that i was reading up on is you know a lot of people have this idea oh women can handle a lot of pain they they have babies and stuff which there it is it is true we do handle pain really well but we actually feel more pain uh estrogen causes you to feel more pain uh than guys tend to, but yes, women can endure. So it may be a biological uh, fucked upness from the cult, from their <laughs> looking into certain things about women that might make them choose women because they're strong, but women because they can feel a lot of pain, um, a lot more pain from cer certain types of uh, torture or whatever. Um, I know, I know that that's really me jumping to a conclusion, but I was like trying so hard to figure out why they might use women and I have to play devil's advocate sometimes, so. And because they die pretty. Anyway. <laughs> Not all of them die pretty. Mademoiselle <laughs> took off her fake lashes and wiped off makeup and took off her fake hair. It was just like- Wait, wait, a, wait a minute, you, you wouldn't hit Mademoiselle? You wouldn't hit that? <laughs> <laughs> She's so just, not without her fake lashes she's gotta have her fake lashes for me to want to hit that you know <laughs> like what there has I, to be a reason for that though why was she why was she naturalizing herself before her suicide why was she taking off the makeup yeah, yeah that's interesting and she shot herself in the face which is not a normal thing women do because that there is that idea that women want to die pretty that's why a lot of women they, they say that men commit suicide more than women men it men achieve the full end of suicide a lot better because they tend to be okay with shooting themselves in the face, whereas women tend to do stuff like take pills so they can die pretty. Um, and that can be pumped out of your stomach and you might live through it. They actually commit, try to commit suicide at about the same rate, but women tend to not fully achieve it because of uh, 
their choice of how to do it. But she went full and boom in the face. So, and took off all of her makeup and didn't care about dying pretty. So if they were showing the whole dying pretty thing, why did she at the end decide, I don't need to die pretty, fuck everything. Well, it's, it's only when you die pretty that you get to see the afterlife. She's already <laughs> seen the afterlife, so she doesn't need to be pretty for it. Uh, um, all right. Let's, uh, let's break. I, I think you touched on an interesting, um, uh, interesting question in your opening, Noah, that I'd kind of like to return to if we can. Um, or we could just talk about women dying pretty some more. Uh, but uh, let's, let, the interesting question is, all right, we, we do horror films on this podcast. We're, we're kind of specialists in, uh, in horror movies. And uh, one of the aspects of horror films is um, revulsion, that, that it attempts to induce a feeling of revulsion in the viewer. So the fact that you wanted to turn this film off, that you that you experienced a sense of revulsion um, as you were watching it, doesn't that make it a good horror film? Because it's achieving an emotional effect in you uh, of revulsion and horror. So, a, that aesthetic criteria of uh, 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 of the horror genre um, might actually be a reason. I'm trying to figure out why so many people like this movie. Um, is that aesthetic criteria possibly a reason why some people enjoy this film as much as they do? That's a that's a great uh, question. In fact, we I delved into this in an individual video I did a, a little while ago on a three part series on the aesthetic of horror. And one of the things that we talk about is uh, revulsion, and that being traditionally a a, a sort of uh, key metric. And is it a good film? There are people who will um, go see will complain that a horror movie is not good because it was not revolting enough because it didn't scare them enough, make them feel sick to their stomach, right? So it is something we look for as an aesthetic quality to a, but here's the key, a traditional horror film. So when I say that is a good horror film, what I don't mean is that is a good traditional horror film, that it has the tropiness, the things that make a horror film contiguous, that make them, uh, this is obviously a horror film versus a comedy, right? The things that define a horror film, when we say that's a good horror film, the way you describe it is this is something that defines a, um, a very obvious horror film. When I say it's a good horror film, I mean something related to Noah. It's almost like I'm saying that's good ice cream. When I say that's good ice cream, I mean... It has flavors that comport to me going, mmm, that may not comport to you going, mmm. There is a one-to-one -one relative relation when I say that is a good horror film. So here's where we get kind of tricky. Because there's another sense in which, and this is the way I think you're describing it, we can say that's a good horror film. And what we mean by that is it hits all of the traditional elements that one would consider to make a horror film what it is. It has violence, it has disgust, it has fear. But these are all things that can come about in different ways for different people, right? So you're asking a very complex question. Um, I want to say that it makes the fact that it revolted me the way it did makes it a traditionally makes it more like a good horror film, more like a traditional horror film. It's a good horror film in the sense that it has the things 
that typically define the genre in a very visceral, obvious, underscored, in bold sort of way, right? Violence, per se, in this movie. But when I say it's a good horror film, there's another sense in which I am saying it scares Noah. And that's different for you than it is for me. So I wasn't scared in this movie. I was enthusiastically revolted. And I don't consider that a, a form of excitement or fear in the sense that I turn the movie off and I keep thinking about it. I turned Martyrs off and it didn't sit with me. It didn't sit with me in the way that It Follows sits with me. It didn't sit with me in the way Hereditary sat with me. Um, it made me feel physically nauseous, but that goes away. It's the cerebral stuff that when I say I think a horror movie is good, I'm saying it sat with me weeks later, made me feel uncomfortable, not feel nauseated. So I wanna be careful between distinguishing sort of objective components that define the genre of horror by saying it's a good horror film, and then defining things that scare Noah versus scare Jim versus scare Ben versus scare Shayra and calling that a good horror film. I hope that makes sense. Can it, I take issue does. with that for a second? Sorry. Yeah, go, go whoever. I, I, I really, uh, I, I don't wanna call that traditional horror, man. Um, I don't wanna, I don't wanna give that much ground to the bloodbaths and beyonds of the world. Um, I think like the first horror films ever made were not like that. <laughs> they were much more cerebral. They were much more interesting. Yeah. It wasn't its focus on slasher gore porn violence. That's really That's something that we 80s. began to see like, yeah, yeah. It's like seventies, maybe like horror. more like eighties horror. Right. Po exactly. Po po post eighties horror. I wouldn't just say eighties horror. I'd say like post eighties horror. Okay, sure. Well, yeah, like it started there. That's like yeah. when the, when the, uh, overdone blood and, and gore and guts and boobs happen. Okay, but here's so but here's here's the problem with that though is the films, even some of the ones we've done, so Cabinet of Caligari, for example, like that scared the shit out of people and made them a long time ago, a hundred years ago, that produced a viscerality in people, maybe on par with the way certain films that are ultra violent today uh, give us a kind of viscerality. Like there's see here's where it gets weird because there's a relativity to viscerality like you may look at that and be eating pasta and and going this is oh, a fucking great movie and it doesn't do any of those things for you so like i want to so i don't want to necessarily say it's the violence that that defines it that way but it is a component of horror films to have death destruction human uh, the human body being damaged in particular ways the fear of dying and death like these are all components of traditional horror films, even going back to Phantom Carriage, even going back to um, you know the film uh, The Seven Seal, right? So there's more cerebral components. There's more cerebral components to those, but the what they produce in people can be radically divergent. So I may okay. So let me. I don't feel like I'm saying this very clearly. I may watch. Um, I may watch uh, Martyrs and feel a degree of viscerality that makes me nauseated. And people a hundred years ago, not having that be the norm, not having post eighties violence be the norm, may watch Phantom Carriage, may watch The Cabinet of Caligari or, or um, Phantom of the Opera, see the guy pull off his mask and faint and feel disgust. So it's relative to culture, context and what have you but there, I guess what I'm saying is, is a step back from that. It's There's objective stuff. That's what we're talking about when we say a good horror film. And there's subjective stuff. And I guess to Jim's comment, I was trying to distinguish between the two. Does that make sense? 
No, that, that's good. Um, one thing I really want, I do want to add to that though. So let's, let's think about that, right? So I agree with you that those evocations of, of internal experience are, are critical when it comes to horror, um, even definitive. But if that were purely the case, then snuff films would be the height of horror. Like we would just see people getting shot like on the deep web on like 4chan or something. And that would be like, man, this is great horror. Like people would review that. Um, I think the difference there is that whenever you have those evocations, they need to be placed in a particular way. They're like notes in in a composition. You can't just play all the chords all at once to get like the loudest, most, you know, cacophonic sort of production of sound. It needs to be like well-timed. It needs to be in a particular context. There needs to be a narrative there um, for it to really make sense. And I think if you if you bring that in and you have that understanding, then it becomes more than just a flavor of ice cream worth of difference between any particular horror film and whether or not it's good. There is an objective point there because coming from the person who did suggest Antichrist and who suggested House That Jack Built, I get that violence is okay and like you need that reaction, but it has to be used correctly. Um, and I think like a lot of people really do respond to like these, these shitty horror films just because they enjoy the, the vicarious experience of violence and because they like that jolt to the limbic system, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they, <laughs> they have good taste. I don't know, like not to be, not to be too shitty about it, but I do think there is an objective metric there. It can't just be, it can't just be all about that, that there's more. Yeah. To well, this is why I try to lay the foundation of what that objective metric is in cinema not necessarily genre, not necessarily what it does to you as a receiver, but in film style, essentially, in script, in acting, in um, lighting, in sound, uh, in, in, to some extent, character development and story development. These are, I think, to a large degree, objective things that we can evaluate. Um, and that's why, so, it, I think you had said something like maybe what it evokes as the, uh, the context, rather. You had said something to the effect of the context makes brings the subjective things into an objective mode. And I don't think it's the context because the context is still a part of the narrative. The context, the way you're describing it, seems to still be part of the story. The context, the narrative, the story, it's bringing all these things together, violence, uh, viscerality, um, Right. So, but it's part of this broader category of thing, which is what's the whole narrative? What's the meta narrative? Right. But even that is subjective. So that's why I hang the objective on maybe things that are outside of the story itself into film, sound, and what have you. Um, I think I think cinema stuff is objective. Right. I think what it does to you and whether you find enjoyment or you know in look, man. I'm saying this as a guy who loves Lady in the Water. I have to at least fight back a little bit. All right. Sure. I, I mean, there's always going to be a subjective element to any film interpretation. It's entirely possible that, uh, you know, somebody can map out the worst structurally constructed film of all time and say, actually, this this fits within a structural schema that I have put onto it. And that's uh, that's fine film uh, film criticism and there's even films that are deliberately trying to avoid structural interpretations uh, like Climax uh, for example that's that's a film that does not have a three-act structure and so I, I I guess what I'm saying is let's warn against a any sort of objectivity as it comes to film criticism there are some 
there are some rules and then there are films that break those rules intentionally and those films that break those rules intentionally may actually be good films because they're achieving the end that they set out um i go back to robert mckee's definition of a good movie a good movie is a film that provokes a powerful emotional experience or powerful experience. Um, I, I would take the word emotional out of it. McKee keeps the word emotional in it. A powerful experience. So uh, that powerful experience can be, as it is for you, Noah, in many cases, intellectual. That uh, experience could be, uh, for the people who enjoy this film, a vicarious limbic system uh, jolt of watching vicarious violence. And those people, um, we're certainly entitled to their opinion and their therapist. Uh, but I would- All right, I might need to intervene now because this is just becoming a shit on this film fest. Hell and hell shit on yeah. it who likes this yeah, I'll just finish the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For me, the uh, a powerful emotional experience in a horror film is not just based upon revulsion. It is based upon the ability to put together a dramatic story that may include, as a result of the story you're telling, um, elements of the macabre, death, violence, et cetera, et cetera. Those, those types of things that are familiar in the horror genre. So this is a, for me, all horror films are essentially dramas that have these macabre elements um, included in them. Uh, that is why I initially thought of Annihilation as a character drama before I thought of it as a science fiction film, before I thought of it as a horror film. Um, and that was, it, you know, sort of my own mistake in in thinking about uh, as I thought about that movie and and how I would classify it. So um, that's that's go, go ahead and and, and uh, yell at me for shitting on the movie too much, Shayra. It's not just you though; everybody is. So it it becomes fun. I could be the devil's advocate here, even though I didn't even rate this movie very high. So it could be fun. Um, here's the thing. We have not even talked about the film. We have been talking about liking the film or people that like the film, but we have not been talking about the film. Let's talk about the initial beginning. There is a huge important part that really fucked me up to this film because in the beginning, uh, these, these two girls become very close. It's obvious one of them has some serious psychological issues. Those psycholo psychological issues are coming through as a monster. We see the monster. We see what she sees. We don't know if this is, uh, you know, a, a ghost movie, uh, if if things are actually happening. But then they cut to showing her actually being the one harming herself, self-harm through the psychological issues that were put on her from people treating her horribly. And what it's like to be someone who's friends with someone with these kinds of issues. We can still love those people, but it's really hard. It's really hard to have a relationship with them. And so we see this, like, 15 year relationship of them dealing with this demon, right? And then it comes to the crux when, when she sees the picture of the family in the newspaper. And, um, but all she knows is there's this fake monster. She's seen herself harmed through the fake monster. And then she's like, this is the family that did something to me. And then she just goes in and with a fucking shotgun and blows people up, including the kids. And of course, when Anna comes in, she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? She was even trying to save the mom. Cause she's like, I love you, honey, but what the fuck? I don't even know how to deal with this kind of shit. 
Um, and, and of course we find out that, that it's all justified. This is like a justified, like vengeance almost. Um, or is it, I don't know. That could be an argument, but that, that whole opening sequence was fucked up. And for me, I was on the side of Anna up until Anna started getting her skin peeled off of her fucking whole entire body. And I'm like, what must be going through her mind? I should have listened to my friend. I should have listened to my friend. I should not have doubted her. Should she have doubted her? I mean, we should doubt our friends that might have those kinds of issues who might be wrong about these kinds of things. These, this is an interesting rabbit hole to go down in discussions of people who have suffered from PTSD, people who have suffered from TBI, people who have suffered from all different kinds of issues. We, we don't know, are their demons real or not? Should we be listening to them? Uh, what's going on with them? Was that cult worthy of death or not? I don't know. I mean, you guys tell me. That part was pretty impactful, you know, take out the whole, you know, peeling of the skin part, like the opening sequence is pretty powerful shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, uh, if you look at the very beginning, I, I do think like, so if we're going to try and talk about what did we like about this movie, let's, let's think positive for a second, because like overall, yeah, we can I'm, do I'm it. We can do it. Well, yeah. I'm going to pick out a few things. We're going to do like a compliment sandwich. <laughs> Here we go. Um, at the beginning of the movie, I think we start out with a story about revenge, and I think it could be potentially interesting because the story that we start out with seems to begin with the end because you see the revenge sequence at the very beginning, and that's kind of cool, right? Like, that could be an interesting story. Like, you see this brutal massacre, and then maybe through the, the course of the film, you learn about why that happened and what led up to it. Maybe they do, like, a non-traditional time structure. That could be its own really cool story. Um, that's fairly interesting, and that really grabs your attention. From that, we transition into the story about this friend who is incredibly self-sacrificing and trying to help this other friend who has these, these seemingly physical manifestations of her own psychological trauma. That could be interesting. That could be an incredibly interesting story in and of itself. And even after, even after Lucy dies, you see that kind of like carrying on whenever she goes deeper into the house and she finds this other person who is being tortured. She tries to rescue her and you see those, those deeper instincts kind of coming out. And I guess that's where you start to transition into the whole martyr sequence. But like, that's actually kind of interesting too, right? Like that's, the self-harm narrative. So like, that's okay. We start out with the revenge narrative. That's cool. The self-harm narrative. It's really, really viscerally evocative for me, but that could also be its own contained, really interesting narrative if you did it right. And then you transition from that into this weird, like metaphysical religious tale of, of, of martyrs and like transcendence. And like, that's its own separate thing. And so then you transition into this other piece that on its own, maybe you could, you could transfigure it to be pretty interesting. But whenever you slap all three of those things together, I just, I don't think it works. Like no one piece was developed to a point yeah. where it could have been its own like interesting film. But which the pieces they all were pretty been. cool. Like each individual piece, if you take it on its own, has potential. It's um, disconnected. It's very disconnected. Yeah. 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 That, was my, that was my biggest gripe of the movie. You're hitting my biggest gripe. My biggest gripe was that there was a massive disconnect between the first half and the second half. Um, and... Each and they try to pull been, it together with like this yeah. this video of the girls like before, and it's like that doesn't tie it together. So, <laughs> like, so so here's a show that does that better. I don't know if any of you have seen the first season of True Detective, but there's a scene in True Detective where Rust Cole, part of his job is to look at dead bodies. He looks at dead pictures of dead bodies for like two days straight. That's all he does, and there's a particular reason why he does that. He looks at their faces, and he makes a comment something to the effect of, "If you look into their eyes." like at the very last nanosecond, he says something like, 
Like you can, it looks like at the very last nanosecond that they welcomed death, that they didn't have to hold on so tight, that they could let go basically. And so there is this almost Martian sort of Martian, holy fuck, Noah, that's not a word. There's this very like martyr-esque, that's not a word either. We're just gonna keep, I'm gonna make my own words up tonight. There's this martyr's component to it where he's looking into the eyes of his bodies and making a, a jump into, into a, a sort of philosophical position. In his case, it's a very pro-mortalism and very nihilistic conception of human existence that we're locked into sort of concrete meat machines and we just want out of them versus the religiosity we see in martyrs, which is there's clearly something on the other side. See, look at their eyes, you can see it. True detective is superior. That is a superior, I, I, like they're both making a kind of leap, but I, I'm with Jim in the sense that the leap in martyrs is non-fucking-sensical. It's pretty women and their eyeballs. Um, it, it, it doesn't work for me. That, that was such a big leap for me. I, it's probably because I'm already predisposed to this sort of nihilism in Russ Cole's monologues in True Detective, but it just didn't hit it with me. Um, that was such a major disconnect from what Shara described in the first component of this film as being um, a friendship, a revenge film, helping a friend, seeing self-destructive behaviors, seeing maybe mental illness. Um, there's powerful, complex things in the first half of this movie that we see in other horror films, in Babadook, in other movies that are done better. Just decided to take a radically divergent hit in the last part of this movie and destroyed it to me. And in the chat, it seems like most people agree that the first, it seems like everyone is saying kind of what we're saying that at the beginning, the first part of this movie is powerful, that it leads you somewhere and it just falls flat, right? I, was it Can ben? I visualize this for you guys? Yeah, yeah go for uh, it. I know you guys probably saw recently in the news, there was a, an Olympic uh, gymnast who did some really amazing things and then landed on both of her legs in a particular way that shifted the bottom part of her legs into a completely wrong position, broke both of her legs in a very painful spot. And it was the, the worst landing ever. I feel like this, that's my visualization of this film. It's like, oh, you're doing amazing. It's oh, no, no, not that. <laughs> you know, it's, and it has the same kind of revulsion too, because there is some, you know, body uh, stuff that's happening that's wrong, severely wrong. So I, I feel like her, uh, her breaking her legs is how I will describe this film. <laughs> well, I think I think it was Ben. I think it was Ben who described this movie. Ben, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is like something like messing up a perfectly good orgasm, or something like something that. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a disappointing orgasm. You get all this buildup, and then suddenly it just kind of disappears right when you're about to get there. It just fucking goes away. That's 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 this film. <laughs> that's I agree. I agree. I, I want to yeah, I want to point this out though, uh, Jim. I'm gonna let you talk in a second, ahead, but yeah. I do have to point out, I watched the American version of this and I should probably give my take on comparing the two after you're done. Yes, please do. Well, I, let me do, I, I'm just, no, go ahead, go ahead. You, you go first and then I'll, I'll talk, I'll do a thing. All right, you guys don't like the torture porn aspects of this film and I get that, it, it makes sense. But I watched the American version, which was the PG-13 watered down version of this uh, and, um, I accidentally watched that one first because I thought that I had the right martyrs. I didn't know there was two martyrs and I was sitting through the American version thinking, what the fuck is wrong with everyone? Who the fuck 
would recommend this film. By the way, 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and so, you know, the girl who you pull the staples out of her head in the bathtub scene. And then when she gets the metal thing off it, like melty face, like grossness and all that shit. Yeah. And the American version, that's a cute little girl. And she's like 12 and she has white pajamas on with no dirt. And she's like, help me, save me, oh. And she escapes and runs to Tractor Man and is fine and doesn't die. If that gives you an idea of what the American version is. And it made me kind of appreciate. I know this sounds fucked up. I'm going to continue. It made me kind of appreciate the French one because I was like, okay, that's definitely more scary than little girl like, oh, I'm so pretty. I have long, beautiful blonde hair that has no dirt in it. Save me. What the fuck is this shit? Um, but it, it, the cutting off of hair was not in the American version. And the torture had nothing to do with skin. This is how they tortured the girls. They tied them up in this room and lit them on fire. Weird thing. Their hair stays intact. Their white nightgowns stay intact. Their face is still pretty after being completely lit on fire to death. Bad effects, bad everything. It is the worst movie I've ever fucking seen. Like, seriously, if I'm going to ever say this is the worst movie, never see it. It is the American version of Martyrs. What the fuck did I just watch? And it made me, when I finally watched the French version non-rated, I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> I mean... You've got to be the only person on this planet who watched the American version and said, oops, I'm going to watch the French because that that is amazing to me. Like, I did not know until tonight, until you said this, that there was an American version. And I'm kind of I'm kind of wanting to watch it now. Jesus. If you're going to watch it, you can watch it with Elle because it's not so bad. There is some cutting into the back scenes with some, you know, a little bit of fleshy, bloody stuff, but nothing like the the French version. And on top of that, it's it's one of those things where you're probably going to laugh a lot more uh, than you're going to cry. <laughs> hey, 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 which was more nihilistic? Okay, so in the American version, you guys want to hear how the Americans think we should end this film? <laughs> oh my God, yes, please. <laughs> so bad. Okay, so uh, Anna isn't the person who's tortured. They just recaptured uh, Lucy and start to do stuff to her. Um, and Anna comes in to save the day, to save her friend. But, um, you know, Anna has uh, basically, I don't even think her name was Anna in, in the American version, but I'm going to call him the French version so you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, Lucy got a little bit cut up. They tortured her just a little bit, and then they put her up to light on fire. But before she lit on fire, and all these cultists are going to watch her light on fire, because apparently the cultists watch people get lit on fire as part of their cult. It's very, uh, you know, witches in America kind of stuff, I'm sure. But anyway, um, before they could light her on fire, um, she starts to go into her weird eyeball thing, which, by the way, the Americans do crazy eyeball shit. They can't just barely do it. It has to be like, whoa, this is very supernatural. Um, so Anna comes in with a shotgun to go and kill all the fucking people. I think it's a shotgun. She goes to kill the cultists. And uh, when Lucy's like, you know, knows what happens. She whispers what happens in the afterlife. And the the main mademoiselle type lady is like, tell me what she said. Tell me what she said. And uh, Anna's like, no, boom, shoots her in the head, shoots all the cultists, takes Lucy off of the thing. And then they go on. Oh, the opening sequence to the American version has the girls on a merry-go-round looking up at the sky, you know, hanging out 
being besties. Uh, the most abuse that that Lucy had was like a bruise on her. Like she might have been in a, an abusive household, maybe nothing brutal. Uh, and ne ne never mind. The French movie's fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> right. So they end up on the merry-go-round at the end, and then Lucy's like, oh, "Are you ready to go?" And then they decide to just die together, like Romeo and Juliet, very lesbian, whatever. It was so you, you are literally literally making the case that having a nihilistic hollow attempt at explaining something is better than a really terrible explanation. I know that that's describing the French version, but maybe it's the American version, you know? Hmm. I think that that was how the Americans interpreted it and then turn it into a fucking monster. It's seriously, if, if you guys want to watch it, like, you know, I I rented it. On voodoo, I'll send you my information if you need it. Uh, Noah, if you wanna, if you wanna torture yourself, if you're, if you wanna be a martyr, if I wanna uh, transcend, I will. <laughs> if I have, if I have about eight more of these beers, I'm about to fucking transcend. Send me a PM. <laughs> let's watch this. Uh, it's really bad. Wow. Though. I, I, well, I that, have to that actually, you. yeah, that actually, but that, mm, like, that actually brings up that. Actually, I mean, to me, that brings up the well. I guess I guess Jim and Ben would say, okay, that's a <laughs> thoroughly worse version of of like they're both attempts at at tying things together. Just one maybe does it worse than the other. Um, I I don't know. I feel like maybe ending a film in the hollow way that we see the French film ending is superior than having an even thoroughly shittier answer like in the American version. See, this is where it gets. That doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> no, no, oh no, oh no, not at all. We're basically asking: is the film a two or a one? Like that's what I, I. This is yeah. I mean, we're we're we're. This is low hanging fruit to a large extent. Or but I guess is the American version a negative, and we need to like update how we scale things because it was just so bad. It's seriously, I've seen some bad movies because I think they're fun, but this one was bad. It sounds from your description that the narrative structure of both films is the same. It's just that in the American version, it's watered down and it, they turn Anna into a superhero. Like that's- Anna is a badass. Uh, she still has long, beautiful, everybody stays very pretty. Nobody gets so ugly. You know, nobody true. has their hair chopped. <laughs> But that's but that goes back to Jim's point that it's it's like bad bad filmmaking bad attempt at tying it together like mm. see okay I guess okay let me take a step back the problem I'm having here is something like is what is happening in the French version of Martyrs is that really an answer are they like the fact that it leaves you hollow doesn't necessarily mean it's a nihilistic non-answer, that there's an overarching non-meaning to everything. They attempted to provide an answer. It was a religious apparatus, it was a cult, um, it was a particular set of people, an organization, if you will, that had an intent. They wanted to know what happens after your existence. Um, so narratively, there is at least an attempt to tie it together, bring it together to give an answer. I guess what I'm saying is even through that, it's still, it's almost how Nietzsche says that the highest values devalue themselves. It's like that, like nihilism isn't necessarily the absolute void of of, of meaning, like, like the embrace of non-meaning. Sometimes it's an answer that purports to be meaningful that isn't. That's what I mean when I say that this is hollow, that this movie's hollow, is that 
like maybe the point is that it's such a shitty answer that it's non-meaning. So uh, like I like that's how that's how hollow it left me. That's how stupid I felt after watching Martyrs. I mean, maybe it's because guys that I know, for example, Jim and Ben and Shayra, I know that we have all read philosophy that we're we we we've like having answers to what happens after you die is important enough to us that we've studied this that we've had conversations before deadly and now that's how we know each other largely through our conversations before deadly analysis is that we tend to have asked these questions on youtube and other forums that's how we met each other largely so so i wonder if maybe we're coming into it looking at the answer that's given at the end of martyrs isn't profound because it's something we have endeavored to think about and look into not necessarily that we're experts, right? We need Garrett in here for that um, as a professional philosopher, but uh, that that this is a world that we live in already and that the answer that they gave at the end is hollow, that, okay, it's just the mere search for life after death. That ties together why you did this to these people, why you went, put them through immeasurable amounts of suffering and sorrow and pain. Like there's a hollowness in that maybe because this is an endeavor we're already accustomed to and it doesn't need to have happened the way it did in this movie. So there's so many, but, mm, I hate y'all because I'm actually gonna rate this movie higher now, you fucks. Like you're making no, me think about this movie more. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, I'm I'm totally bugged by this. Um, but I- No, I want this to be lower than the lobster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spitballing here, but it, it seems to me like, hmm. Yeah, like there's a difference between a bad answer and a non-answer, but sometimes a really bad answer is a non-answer. Does that See, make I mean, sense? If, well, if that was going to be what they were going to go for, though, if that was their angle, again, like there could have been so much more development. And so like what you just said actually makes me want to write this even lower because like <laughs> if no, no, really, like, I mean, I, I honestly feel there like you go, Jim. the cultists just need to 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 look up some videos from Alex Malpass, Burt Poole and Scott Clifton, uh, and then they'll have their fucking answers. I mean, like they they didn't even attempt to go into the philosophical like history of this question. Like it was literally just a bunch of pictures of people suffering. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's so much content that you could have brought in and so much profound thought that could have gone into the history of thinking about whether or not there is life what after you death are and saying, evidence, but What you are saying is you would be a better cult leader because you could convince them to want to be tortured is what you're trying to tell me right now. Like you could sell it to them. Better. Oh shit. Like I could absolutely be a better cult leader. I know I could without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> ben, Ben, the handsome cult leader who uh, leads, who turns deadly analysis into his private cult. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, when we look at this film through the, I, I'm going to do this again. From the bad guy's perspective, from the cult's perspective, the plan is let's get a bunch of women together because when they die and, and torture them, because when they die, they die pretty. And that might mean that we'll get to see the afterlife. That is an insane plan. It doesn't, like, that's not in any philosophical anything. It's not even in this dictionary bullshit definition of martyrs that they decided to, to trot out. And this is the, like, I, 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 th I want to go back to something you said earlier. You were talking, Shayra, about the uh, gymnast routine and she lands bad and 
And I, I've actually not watched that video. I think there there was a, she tweeted something out like, please don't watch this video. It's the worst moment of my life. And so I was like, okay, I promise I won't. I have no idea what it is. Uh, but I, I'm sort you of- You don't need to see it to know how yeah. horrifying it is though. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, it's, it's, I'm sure it's awful. And, you know, I feel bad for her. And Same could be said about martyrs. It does not need to be seen to know <laughs> yeah, how bad I mean, it is. But, but they, here to take that metaphor on for this film, um, the fact that she landed badly didn't ruin the fact that she was doing well in her gymnast routine up until that time. Like she was doing fantastically, and then she landed badly, and it, it ended up turning into a a a not so good uh, gymnast routine for her. Um, I think that when the hammer, the narrative hammer drops on this movie, any investment that I had into it, uh, garnered by the first two acts of the film, um, was was instantly, like all of the film's goodwill was spent by the, uh, the reveal of the bad guy's plan um, at the beginning of the third act. As soon as the third act, uh, second act climax hits, and they say, well, we're doing this because we want to take picture pictures of pretty dead ladies. Um, I, I'm like, this is you've you've just soiled the last two acts in which I was moderately invested in your in your mystery. So, so we um, should make the distinction between <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. Hold on. I'm going to say this with a straight face. We should make the distinction between stupid and hollow. Um, Jim, you are describing a stupid movie, a movie that gives an explanation that no rational person, no intelligent person should take seriously. And you're right, Martyrs has that. It's stupid to think all of this giant apparatus is happening. These rich people have this, spent millions of dollars to make these rooms, to devise these devices that flay women and they beat them and they all to just take a fucking Polaroid of their eyeballs. Fucking stupid, just stu I'm angry. For existing in a world where that's a movie plot all right so it's stupid um but it's at least it's, they cut the girl for a reason in the french one they were trying to peel all of her skin out off so that she has no skin everywhere for you know part of the the hanging out in the american version they were just cutting her skin on her back a little bit because oh no <laughs> like it's literally like they're just cutting into her and there's squishy noises oh no I, I do want to comment on the makeup. I know this is fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I want to comment on the makeup, the 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 muscles. Um, I have a problem with it. Did they remove her her milk ducts? Um, women when they have uh no skin, uh, it looks like flowers on their chest area because of their milk ducts. Um, and she had no milk ducts. She had no flowers on her chest. It was just flat. Did they? Did they peel off her milk ducts along with her ears? Like what, or did they just not know that women look like that on the inside and the makeup person just, just failed at anatomy? I don't know. I, I have no fucking idea how to answer this, but I'm about to hurl. No idea how to answer this. Uh, if you're watching this, I forget the director's name. I have it in my notes. If you're watching this, please answer Shayra. Like we need to know this. Um, did they fillet the milk ducts or did you just not know that women had flowers underneath the skin. That's actually the quote of the evening. I'm gonna post this on our Twitter. Did they fillet the milk ducks, Shara? That's gonna be our, that's our quote of the evening. New thing, uh, get Jesus. I'm like, 
I actually kind of almost vomited there. That's really disgusting to think about. I'm sorry, um, my daughter's studying, like, you know, being, she's planning on being a surgeon. I see a lot of really interesting stuff from her. She's like, oh, did you know it looks like flowers when you take off a woman's skin? And I'm like, whoa, that is. You know, as long as she's <laughs> saving the milk ducks and I, this gets really gnarly here. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, so maybe with Shayra's uh, edition in mind, maybe there's a difference between stupid and hollow and really fucking stupid and hollow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, and I guess lazy too. Like, yeah, uh, oh, totally. There, we, we can think in the next 30 seconds, we can think of better ways to tie together what we saw in the first half of the movie in the context of revenge and friendship and maybe a little bit of, of like sexual stuff going on. She does kiss her in the French film. So there's that stuff there, uh, a very small moment of that. But so there's there's better answers, but- But that lesbian twist, and, and I mean, they kind of were pushing it in both of these films. God, fuck you. Like as a pansexual, fuck you. Like that's just, it, it almost seemed like, uh, you know, uh, well, I in the French movie, there. well, in the French movie, it was a way of describing, I think, why Anna is going as far as she did. That's how I took it. Like Anna is breaking into a house. I don't give a fuck if I want to fuck you or if I have a romantic involvement. There's no fucking way I would follow you into that storm. No way, no way. Like she had to be nuts too. Like I, I, I'm just gonna go out and say it. Like she, she had to have had something happen to her too. I mean, they're both at the same home. Well, they both got kind of fucked up, but yeah, uh, I, I think Anna had some blue balls. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. I think Anna had blue balls in this. Uh, it, this is... I did not see them when they peeled her skin. I'll have to look yeah. again. Oh <laughs> I'm sorry. This, I, all right, we're taking a turn. I, you got, literally did not think I could be more disgusted at the French film martyrs. You fucks are making me like nauseated. I feel oh like my God. I'm gonna make one of you guys barf and that'll be like- It's a, me, actually. I've never, I've actually never, like I'm burping and I've never actually felt disgusted by articulating shit about a movie, but y'all are, all right, I'll making stop, but you know what? You're going to get revenge next week when we talk about Raw with Jim. So. I know. I'm bringing a fish to eat. It's just going to be hanging off my beard and in my mouth when I, uh, in an ashtray. Non-edible objects, basically, are what I'm going to do for Jim. Dude, yeah. like, raw fish is a delicacy, my dude. Like, you've got to get a chicken breast in here. You need to eat yes. raw chicken. Yes. That's the only way to make this work. <laughs> yes. Done. I'm done. It's it's happening. Anyway. Oh, man. Y'all suck. Oh, shit. I'm like, actually, I actually feel really bad. I hate y'all. Anyway, let's, next week, Noah. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's say I actually think it's an interesting question of like, how would we improve this? Uh, I that, like that question. That's a really I've been trying to, in addition to chatting about smoke rings with uh, with Chris on the uh, on the chat, um, I've been uh, I've been trying to think how how to do this, and I think one of the other narrative problems with this film was like they do the revenge plot and then they take a nap in the house. Like, what the fuck? Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how I would, first Why of all- Why are they hanging out there? Yeah, right. Why There's are they like, putting oh, the bodies yeah, in a bathtub? We just killed some people. Let's take a nap in there. Let's house. get the fuck out of here. That's what you do. Right. And so I, I'm wondering if like the improvement of this film, does it turn it into a memento? where they just, uh, they pursue this sort of nihilistic hope for revenge over abuse that the 
the deaths of these these people cannot cure and so it just becomes this kind of murder spree before they realize that that revenge doesn't actually fill the holes that were created by this abusive scenario i think that would be a better movie although but the problem is is that's like natural born killers meets memento and uh and so i'm i'm i don't know if i can come up with a original uh it's refreshing game. because it's stupid is that what you're saying <laughs> well, I, I, no i i'm saying it's, it's i think it's actually a legit way of putting this though i think it's 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 unique in that nobody was so stupid as to put these chunks together incorrectly. Right. Yeah, I I mean maybe shifting perspectives on this and and telling it from the cult's point of view, where you're like, hey guys, we're gonna get together and kill some women because they look pretty when they die. Like I I don't know if you can turn that into an interesting horror film. Uh, if we maybe ship the old lady the is jealous of pretty young girls and is using that to fuel, I, I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of different things that could give motivation. Uh, um, with, with Annihilation, we talked about the alien didn't have a motivation, right? right. And that made it interesting, but it's an alien. These mm -hmm. are people. People have motivations. <laughs> we're not. We're not telling the we're not telling the story of annihilation from the alien's point of view. We're telling it from Natalie Portman's point of view, and it serves sort of a metaphorical purpose by having the alien have no motivation. Um, I don't think that the same can be said about martyrs. Uh, and and so I'm trying to rack my brain. Uh, to come up with a better movie than this movie, and I can't really do it without cribbing from other films. Uh, like I think it can be done. I definitely you, think it can be done. This is unsavable. Like the best thing to do is just not make a movie. How you improve no, it is you make Ben the cult leader. All right, go. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> we start off with that, right? Like obviously, I'm Mademoiselle. Um, uh, I will be playing that role in this new film. Um, I'll also be directing because clearly I'm the only one that can salvage this. <laughs> no, no, no. So earlier, okay. So earlier on, we talked about early. I talked uh, about like um, how this is kind of like how how using violence appropriately in a horror film is kind of like writing an orchestra, right? Like you've got to. It's a musical thing. You've got to do it with timing. You've got to do it with um, with structure, and you've got to you, you've got to earn certain certain scenes and like certain elements within a story. So I think really the, the primary issue here, and we've all agreed on this, is that it's like a few different things kind of like slapped together, right? Like there's no narrative coherence. Um, kind of, there kind of is, like there's there's this idea that this person is incredibly self-sacrificing and that leads to her uh, ultimate like religious sacrifice and like whatever, it's kind of there. But I think tying this back into the musical idea, like the way to really improve this movie without without changing the story. And so that's the key, right? Like obviously if you I already said, like if you broke this up into three different movies, you could develop three different stories that would be perfectly fine. But if you want to hold like the main ending um and kind of like the idea in this film, what you've really got to do is seed it a little bit. There has to be instead of like this clean break and no transition between the ideas, you kind of have to like weave those together a little bit, right? So like earlier in the movie, you have this really dark sort of like revenge film. I think you need to you need to 
have that and like you you really do kind of like start maybe with like the middle of the movie right like where she comes in she gets her revenge on this family um and that's fine and like they're in the house and they're like cleaning up the evidence and stuff but while they're doing that maybe they have flashbacks that sort of lead up and explain why that all happened and in that process you maybe get some like some some seated philosophical ideas about like the the, the quest to find out what happens after after death maybe you have some like really interesting thoughts that go on in there you build up you learn a little bit more about like the weird the weird things about this family that kidnapped her and then that's kind of like how toward the middle of the movie maybe you do you weave in um this kind of like cult idea right like it steadily gets darker and darker with the same kind of like narrative themes from philosophy um and as this goes through, maybe it starts to take on like more of a kind of like a get out sort of structure, right? Where you you have the same idea. Like you've got this collection of crazy rich people who want to do this weird thing with this technology they've developed and you don't give it away immediately. Like you mentioned, Jim, no, you wait until a little bit later in the film and you start to like introduce them a little bit more. And then maybe halfway through and you have this revenge thing and they're cleaning up the bodies. Maybe you do have that scene where they get caught in the house and it is by the cult people. But then by then you've got some flashbacks to back up why they're there. And then you develop that into a story about how then she does get taken by these people and then you can finally earn the part where they martyr her because you have this buildup of these ideas throughout the entire film and a context for why that would happen in the first fucking place and then at the end of that maybe you do have something that's a little bit more mysterious than a person shooting themselves and saying keep doubting you leave a real question mark and don't give it away at all. Like there's there's nothing. There's no there's no climax whatsoever in terms of in terms of finding out what happens after this person gets martyred. Just leave it as, as completely French nihilistic as it gets. Like I mean that's 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 what's coming across like most French cinema or at least most French horror is that deep sense of nihilism. Don't give an answer at all. Exactly. If you're gonna have a question mark, leave it a real question mark instead of leaving like breadcrumbs and hints. No, just take that away. Completely take that away. Yeah. So like, that's how you make this movie better. You weave it together, you earn those points of violence and you earn those ideas from philosophy. And then you completely cut off the answer that you might give at the end and don't give anything at all. I think you're right. I don't think they need to kill the people though. I think that their, their quest is not for revenge, but it's for information. So that when they go, when they find the family that kill that, that is responsible for it, they go to find out why she was tortured in the first place. And then that's how you get, instead of doing flashbacks, it's drama on screen. They're trying to figure out why this, why this had happened to them in the first place. Uh, so that you've got one character who was abused just because her parents were were sick and you've got another character who believes that there's a motive force behind her abuse and she is trying to figure out what that motive force is. And so you almost have like a trapped in a house movie and they become the torturers. Uh, so Anna and Lucy become the torturers against the family that they have found. We've just written a better movie. Oh we, my God, that is so good. Against the family to find out the information about why they were tortured in the first place. And then that's how you can bring in philosophy. That's how you can actually bring in search for life after death. That's how you can bring in these, these other aspects of the film. And then your third act climax is the switch. When the family turns the, uh, turns the tables and then martyrs the characters. And I think you're right. You don't give it a resolution at the end. You just give the suffering and the, the moments of violence at the end. Boom. And, See, there you uh, go. Yeah. Don't turn, and you don't turn Anna into a fucking superhero who is, uh, who's, who's uh, saving the day at the end of the film. I think 
yes, I think together the two of us have sort of been able to write a better horror film than what Martyrs is. I think we fixed we, we fixed it, guys. Yeah, in ten minutes, like literally sponsored by alcohol and a little bit of, of discussion, lively discussion, <laughs> we've made something better than fucking what's his name, Pascal Laguier. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, dude, take notes, Pascal. You've just but been this served. This means we should be making movies at this point, Jim. When are you going to come up here? We can film something, Twin Twin Peaks style. We got waterfalls up here in Washington, you know. I I got a free summer. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so I'm actually okay. down to nerd out if you guys ever are. I am down to make a shitty Deadly Analysis film. We'll, we'll put it up here on Deadly Analysis free for all. Uh, <laughs> it'll suck it'll be great <laughs> we'll need our, we'll need our uh our <laughs> uh donate to our uh donate to our our uh our kickstarter guys um all right uh yeah are we about ready to wrap up folks or should we uh since we're planning our own movie instead of <laughs> the one we're supposed to analyze let's, i'm actually surprised we talked this long about this film i am yes. i'm just throwing that out there i was like how are we gonna go yeah, you or... guys now, I, earlier the film was raised by these, now they've lowered it. The fact that we can actually think of a better film has now, y'all suck. Like, I, I, I'm i going to go last. I don't know how I'm going to rate this movie now. I'm I'm very frustrated because we're talking about how this is a, um, a logically problematic, narratively issued film, um, but it's also a hollow film to me. And I, I want to go back to that like for one second. I, I want to go back to what pretty girls like a pretty girls. And I live in Southern California. They're everywhere. Like pretty girls is a diamond. Like, okay, pretty girls and they're dead. That's great. I what? Okay. But, but like the idea was supposed to be this, there's a profundity to the torture. That's the point. The point is there's this religiosity to this. Let's not, Let's not remove that from this movie. There is an attempt to do something that people are bombing themselves in other countries and in our country even to find out, to get to quicker, to take you and I to another, another part of that afterlife uh, right now. Like, And so th the question it poses, right, in and of itself is profound. What happens after you die? But like, it's so old and fundamental that is it... See, this is where it's one of those things where it's like there is a profound component and a non-profound component. There are elements of this movie that are great, and there are elements that are unbelievably so shitty that I, I can't even... It's mind-numbing. So it's frustrating to sort of bring the two together, to take the negative, the positive, bring it together, and give I myself a rating on this. I know how I can ask you a question. This. Okay. Uh, Get Out had a basement where they did experimentation, and we know that Us had kind of an experimentation basement. This film has an experimentation basement. Uh, which one has the best experimentation basement? What 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 experimentation base basement makes the most sense? Is uh you know comparing to stuff that Nazis have done, stuff that the military has done to soldiers and experimentation. Uh, which one is is the most fucked up? Which one is the most brutal? Which one makes the most sense story wise? Um, because I think us honestly would be at the bottom of my list because making copies of people to uh puppeteer the people up above that's a little bit of a stretch it was very interesting i liked it but it was a bit of a stretch this one I, 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 yeah i think martyrs wins in that regard i think i think what happens below if we want to talk about what is the most um demonstrably negative hurtful long-lasting 
uh, most horrific. If any of us decided to vote which one we'd rather go through, we'd rather be in us eating rabbits and being filleted, right? So there's that part of it. But um, so I, I'd give martyrs a higher rating. And if that is the only metric, I'd give martyrs a more profound sense of violence and fear and disgust and pain and torture. But sometimes that doesn't make it good. <laughs> that doesn't make it good at all. And it doesn't, absolutely. And it doesn't mean that it hits anything more profound than, than any other film. It's just, you know, the question was which does the basement thing in a way that's more um, uh, meaningful and, and hurt. I, I, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I comes down to physical violence, uh, I guess, versus uh, this. This gets us into maybe an avenue I'm not entirely sure how to navigate. I, I guess I would say like there's there's a difference between um, a bad movie and a movie that leaves you feeling like um, a, a it's an answer that's hollow. So it's an answer that's shitty in Martyrs. I think I, I think we think we already thought of it a, a way to do the the film better. I think all of us agreed. But it also left me existentially hollow in the sense that this is a question that actually does matter. Give it justice. Like, like, don't let the thing that becomes how we find the answer be eyeballs in a Polaroid. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it, it's a profound question. That's the frustration I have is that I want to fucking know what happens after I die. I think I know, I, I, I think it's like a light switch. I think there's no conscious experience, but I don't want that. I don't want that to be the case. I mean, I can't speak for you guys, maybe you do, but I don't want that. I think, I think it's a profound question. It's obviously one of, if not the most central question to the entirety of human experience. And tying that to something as unbelievably fucking stupid as we think we can get the answer from the configuration of someone's eyeballs when they're going through torture is insane. It's stupid, it doesn't make any sense narratively, and it treats the question as not as profound as it ought to be. M maybe that's my problem. So it's stupid, but it's also hollow in that sense. It takes a profound issue and makes it banal. Does that make sense? So I, I completely agree with that. Um... I do want to tie this back though um, about the, tor the the experimentation basement thing. So I want to get back to that. Yes, they they use that idea in this movie, and I think that's kind of like a trope at this point, right? So like there are lots of movies where you have a house and it's kind of unassuming, and then you dig a little bit deeper, and suddenly underneath that or within that house, there's something a little bit hidden, something a little bit nefarious, maybe something a little bit scientific or medical. Um, and then that's where the bad things happen, right? And you also have this idea of people. Um, rich people, powerful people, kind of like this Illuminati thing who like has nefarious plots and like they're manipulating people in some way. Um, but if you take this back to to its idea, like there's so many horror movies and so many movies in general that have this. Um, I honestly think that if we're going to expand our list, so so yes, we have us, we have Get Out, we have um, Martyrs, which actually I think it's like it's interesting that Jordan Peele had that in both of his movies. That's that's kind of cool but also like also the old white that, people in cars coming out to go and and view stuff that was very i when i saw old the white old people. white people getting out of cars i was like oh this is very get out <laughs> it's privilege man let's get into intersectionality uh as soon as i make my point <laughs> um 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, so you have this idea, like you have these, like fucking like rich old white people with like their crazy experimentation basements. I think something that did this much better, and like it's even not even a great movie, but like Resident Evil is like the king of this. I feel like, right? Like, I mean, you have this, this, this whole story that's built around this idea where you get to this this mansion and then something underneath this mansion exists and you go deeper and deeper and deeper and the conspiracy grows and they've made a whole fucking franchise about this or if you want to go like cabin in the woods that's another great example it's a satire and you go to this cabin and the, and the entire thing is a trap the entire thing is a trap and then it gets fucking crazy from there and it's a great movie in my opinion not in everybody's opinion but in my opinion but there are a lot of different ways to do this idea much better than martyrs i think even if even if martyrs in that one element does that a little bit better than a couple movies it's certainly not the best and they didn't tie it into their story as well as other movies have all right well on that note let's you guys want to rate this movie this is going to be let's do it you want to go last I, I do. Let me, I want to right. think because I'm, oh, I, I hate y'all. I, I had a number in mind before this and even, uh, it's, ah, uh, I don't know if it's higher or lower. I'm going to go last. Go. Someone else go. I'm going to mute myself. Go. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay. So let's be, uh, let's be a little more um, uh, thorough about this instead of just saying, I don't like this movie. Um, so I think that it was most of the film is violence porn and um revenge porn and that's uh it, it it's somewhat effective in its portrayal of some of that stuff the film had me interested in what its mystery was and what the motivation for these these characters and the events that I was witnessing. I was somewhat interested. I wasn't I wasn't totally engrossed, but I was interested in in how they were gonna pay this off. The fact that the payoff is, as we have detailed on this podcast, as dumb as it is and as uh nonsensical as it is and as perhaps hollow as it is, um made the rest of the gymnast routine uh bad for me it kind of soiled the the beginning and as a result of that i i ended up not liking this movie and ended up uh um calling it you know i i i end up at one star out of five on this uh throughout most of the film i thought okay this is all disturbing but what's it leading to and when the answer was nothing i was like okay so film is over uh so that was i am one star out of five and uh i am that is me. All right, who's next? Is that lower than the lobster? That is. That is lower than the lobster for me. Woo! Shit. Um. Die. So that you guys can say more profound things that they. What's up? Well, I was saying I I can go if if uh, you guys want to say more profound things at the end because I don't have uh, much to add other than milk ducks. Go ahead. Tell me more about milk stuff. No, please. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hurl all over my. You're gonna make me throw up on this fucking bucket. Go ahead. If we're gonna talk about milk ducks, go ahead. Oh god. And I, I, now I'm thinking I can't ever eat milk duds the same way now. <laughs> I'm not look. trying to make you puke, but <laughs> guys, like milk ducks can be incredibly profound. I don't. I don't know what the problem is. There's oh. an inherent eroticism to the mother symbolism 
behind milk and the ducks themselves, right? Like it's a beautiful flower. It grows. It's symbolism uh, that, that incorporates spring and life. Um, there are other films that bring this in. And in fact, ContraPoints, uh, one of our favorite YouTube philosophers, is all about that milk eroticism. Um, but <laughs> about to, I'm about to spring some fucking life into my webcam, bastards. If people aren't going to look up what actual milk ducks look like after this, they are wrong. You need to go look it up so you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Like, I want you guys to science a little. This is going to be an educational episode, goddammit. <laughs> Not ducks. <laughs> Not, like, quack quack ducks. Milk ducks. Maybe I have a lisp. I don't know. Um, I, I definitely do. I just uh, actually uh, I got Invisalign, right? So like I know I'm lisping a oh. little bit. So I apologize, chat. It's milk duct. It's duct tape. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and write the fucking film. All right. Okay, go ahead. So yeah, <clears throat> it's it's gonna get a lower rating than the Lobster for me. Like I, I I honestly I just I I don't know how I can give this a good rating because. You can't just take a bunch of interesting elements and stories and storylines and things and throw them in a bag and shake them up and produce a good movie. That's just, that's not how it works, guys. Um, like you can take each individual piece or like a couple scenes from this movie or a couple acts and say, you know, this has potential. This, these are some good elements. There's interesting makeup work at scenes. You know, there are interesting storylines that get kind of like cut short in different places. But if you look at them individually, they're kind of good. No, I'm, you know, I mean, we're, we're rating this work as a whole. And if we're going to take this as a, an entire kind of like unified work and not just this part or this part or this part, it, it just, it's a cacophony. It's, it's not coherent. It's not an interesting journey. And coming from a person like I, again, like storyline doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that makes a movie. It doesn't have to be a particular structure. But if that's what you're going for, which clearly this movie is, because like you can kind of like see the little bit of elements there where where Anna like is very self-sacrificing and putting up with an unlimited amount of bullshit and craziness to try and like serve the people she cares about. Like you can kind of you can kind of like shift it into a, a configuration that sort of makes sense a little bit, kind of. Um, and like even the idea of like what happens after you die, like that is definitely incredibly profound. Um but like, just, I don't know, man, like the, the composition just doesn't get there, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's what it's really all about for me at the end of the day. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the story. It's not about the makeup. It's not about the music. It's not about the well-placed violence individually. It's not about any of those things in a vacuum. It's about how the whole thing comes together and plays an interesting song in a particular way, like when we're talking about horror films that evokes certain feelings within you that, that pertain to what I believe ultimately comes down to our sense and perception of death. Like, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's what I think pretty much like all horror films are about, but like, and this one just doesn't get there for me. You know, um, I can kind of like see how people would enjoy different parts of it, but you know, I, I can't give this in good conscience a good rating, especially if we're thinking about like the objective sort of analysis of what this presents. Um, and at the end of the day, like, I'm really just going to have to give this like a one out of five, I guess. Like, it's not like the worst thing that it could be. It's not, it's not like a 0.5 out of five, you know, it's, it's still a one out of five, but it's lower than anything that we've reviewed on this podcast without a doubt. <laughs>
Oh my god. Yep, we have two one. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be commenting. You guys are messing up my fucking score. All right, go ahead, share it. Sorry. Shit. Um I like I said, I don't have much to add to the analysis, honestly. Uh this film started out strong and uh I actually really dug it because I understand I've been in abusive situations, so I was understanding the demons and the monsters bit. I don't really know where they were going with that because it just seemed like, oh, is it a monster? Is it in her head? Did did she create monsters from being tortured? Like, they still didn't really answer that appropriately because we actually see the monster. And when you look at the captions, the monster has a fucking name. So it, 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 it kind of actually uh, confused me. I was like, is is she actually seeing angels or demons or, or something? Like, is this going to be supernatural as fuck? And then it didn't really go there and maybe i've watched too many episodes of supernatural so i expect things to come together in that way but um it didn't really answer things properly for me um i i, I understand what you mean ben when you say this is like i uh, orgasm mm. <laughs> like that sucked um pretty great foreplay uh and so you're excited and then uh whips out the dick and it's too small okay that might have been too much information but um, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'm copying you guys at this point, but I had it already as my number, so I don't give a fuck. I was gonna say two out of ten for me on this, and I feel like I'm copying you guys, but I think maybe that's just what this is. Um, maybe there's like a maybe you were right about the objective shit, Noah. I, you know what, Jim said it. No, but maybe. We never agreed this much, I don't think, before. Like, I don't think we've all had pretty much the same rating. Uh, but we'll see what happens when Noah says stuff. No pressure, Noah. Yeah, thanks, asses. Uh, this will be great. Uh, all right, so I, I want to say what I want to say kind of quickly. I don't want to be too verbose in this. Um, look, giant distinction between the first part of this movie and the latter part. Um, it's a gap that I can't make. I'm right there with you, okay? Um, I get that. Um, there are better ways that this film could have brought everything together, tied the violence together, contextualized the violence. I get that. But I'm a little more forgiving than you guys because I can think of better ways to describe a lot of movies, even movies that I enjoy and appreciate, right? Um, so, you know, I I see that though. I, I'm, I'm right there with you and I get it. Um, what I guess is giving me a little bit of hesitation is the idea that that um, the fact that it asked such a profound question in the context of violence and the fact that it was so dissatisfactory is itself a kind of nihilism. I can't escape that a little bit in this. It's it's then the flip side of me wants to say, okay, Noah, well, you can classify any shitty movie that way as asking a somewhat profound question but not doing it well. So I'm sort of like, okay, I'm almost fighting myself in this. I, I want to say that this movie, maybe the point of it is to um, is to have a question mark over the idea of violence, to give an answer that isn't satisfactory on purpose. However, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I read a thing online about the director and what he thought that this movie was supposed to be about, and he actually made a mention, there's not a lot on this, but he made a mention at some point about the idea of domestic violence, like what's under the surface in the modern home, and that ruined it for me. Totally ruined it for me. I thought that's that's that is the most bullshit answer. Because if that's your answer, why are you bringing in the afterlife? Why are you bringing in issues of profound questions? You you, you done fucked up. Uh, so I 
I, I, that is what has been hanging on my mind because we're asking really intense and I think very important questions about a movie that seemed to me at the beginning to be almost purposefully giving us stupidity by the end of it. Like I, I'm almost tempted to say that this movie was almost purposefully done this way. I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm Alex Jonesing the shit out of this to a large extent. Um, but given that that's uh, something that, that I think the director wanted us to think, I think maybe he's just a fucking idiot. Like maybe this movie was just really that fucking stupid. So I'm gonna give this movie a two out of 10. I, I can't go higher than that. Um, two out of 10, what is that? I, yeah, I, that's, this, this is the lowest. This is, yeah, this is the lowest we've done. Um, one out of five, uh, I, lobster wins. Jonah, this is your day. You've been waiting. Uh, it is here. It has arrived. Yeah, this is officially lower than the lobster. Uh, Noah, this ties your lowest rating. Um, this is the lowest rating for Ben, Shara, and me. Uh, my lowest was 1.5 previously. Ben, your lowest was uh, 2. And uh, Shara, you've done a 1 before as well. So uh, we have had uh, ones where we were 4 across on a dark song and, and sunshine. Um, but aside from that, this is... Uh, we're two one and one, and that um, averages out to a one point two five, which is lower than Lobster's one point eight three. So, uh, thanks for recommending this film, Chat. Clearly, we loved it. Uh, if there's any other film that you would like us to watch, please let us know what that is. Uh, someone had recommended in the chat. Hold on, let me find it. Oh yeah, The Land Before Time Seven, The Stone of Cold Fire. Thanks. Thanks for that, Chris. Like that's, yeah, we'll get right on that. That's, that's next. Uh, so yeah, uh, wow. I, I, ah, uh, this is, I, this really bugged me uh, for some reason. I, I, I feel like that sits with my soul, my rating. I, I feel like that's, that's right. I can't go higher than that. I, 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 I no matter what I do um, because of what the director said. So anyway, I, I'm second guessing myself. You know what? I'm gonna move on before I start rating this film higher and change my mind. All right, so next next week, next Sunday, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we are doing uh, the French, another French film. However, I chose this one, so I'm clearly gonna rate it high. Uh, Raw, uh, which is a fantastic film, one of Jim's favorites. He loves to eat while watching it as we, discuss this evening. I'm going to be eating fish and spaghetti and a whole bunch of other shit while we do it. Um, so join us next week for Raw. Check out Raw. I know it's streaming on a couple of different platforms, uh, but Raw to me is a film about uh, becoming, becoming, becoming villain, finding the villain in yourself. Oh my God, I love movies. I love horror films like this. There's other stuff going on, but that's how I interpret it. I just spoiled the movie for you. I am sorry. Uh, so join us next week for Raw, I believe after that. Uh, and I, don't quote me on this yet, but uh, we'll finalize it next week. We were doing Cam, the recent film uh, on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix currently. Uh, hopefully we will be doing it with a Cam girl. That will be an interesting scenario. I'm doing that just to get you all to join. However, I think we are gonna try to make that happen. Uh, Shayra has a friend who consequently was on our Antichrist podcast, the one where William Defoe's penis comes blood. Best episode ever, by the way. This is great doing this podcast, isn't it? We talk about the most wholesome shit. Um, and then the week after that, I think we are doing a Clockwork Orange. So we're just going crazy. We're going all over the place here. Um, 
on Deadly Analysis. So uh, if you like what you saw tonight, make sure to subscribe, hit that bell, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and we will see you guys next Sunday night uh, for Raw. Have a good evening. It's great seeing you all.